Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here, IndyStar.com, IndyStar app. I'm your host, Derek Schultz. The true star of the show, as always, is Greg Doyle, sitting to my left in the IndyStar AirPod space module. Greg, how are you, man? Uh, I- I'm good. Ask um, ask the, the the angry ones, not all of them, but ask <laughs> the angry IU fans if I'm the star of this show, because they they're not happy right now. I've never wanted so bad to just I, – I actually almost texted you and was like, do we need to do this podcast tomorrow? Like, I know, do, right? Do we, do we need to just go ahead and do this and get this out there? Because um, the reaction – and if, if for some reason you guys don't know what we're talking about, uh, Indiana two games ago defeated Iowa in, in Bloomington, and Greg asked a question of Devontae Green about – based on his inconsistency, which has been kind of something that's plagued him throughout his career where he has these unbelievable games like he had against the Hawkeyes, and then he has these disappearing acts where he really doesn't contribute much of anything at all. And um, and some people didn't like, I guess, the line of questioning or the tone of questioning. And I, I'm just, you kind of heard um, people give you some support for asking the hard questions, but then some people giving you a little bit of a hard time for it. Yeah, and the people that are saying, I don't like the tone – and I have no idea if the press conference is broadcast somewhere. I don't know if people actually heard me or if they just – here's the thing. You get told how to re- how to react to something, and then you react that way. Mm-hmm. Somebody put it out there. A few of the, I, There's a bunch of IU fan you know, websites. I get it. And a couple of them put it out there that I asked an awful question. And so basically you, know, you, you tell a dog to jump, and it'll jump. And I'm not calling you dogs. I love dogs. I'm just saying – I've done that too, where you get you get told to hear the lyrics to a song and you hear it that way. And I'm not saying my question was benevolent, but people were told to hate the question and therefore they hated it. And I get it. I, I got a, I got a history with IU fans. I've done some stories they didn't like, and but if they pay attention, I've probably written a million stories that that if they read it they would love. What that makes me is really even-handed. It doesn't make me a bad guy. It makes me someone I'll write both. And if all all you want is good stuff and all you want is good, nice questions, guess what? There's a lot of people in this market that will give it to you. I'm not one of them. And the inconsistency thing, everyone has asked that question. It is everyone the, has wondered that same thing about It is the Green. story of the year. The story of the year because they'd be if he would have – he didn't have to score 25 a game. If he would score 15 a game, and he's that good, if he'd give him roughly 15 a game, they're not on the bubble right now. They're, I mean, he's that good. But anyway. The only thing that – because I saw the video. I don't remember if it was inside the hall. Somebody there carries the video stream of the, the press conference. Okay. And the only thing where I think people could even kind of get it twisted and be like, hey, that, that seemed combative was when he asked you to elaborate and then you said, no, you elaborate. That's the only part where I thought, okay, well, maybe somebody no. could think that that was Greg digging in. I, I said, no, you elaborate? I said that? Yeah, it was It was something like, um, you know, where do you go, right? What, what happens in these games where you just kind of disappear and Devontae's like, well, where do you go? What do you mean? I mean, he said, know, elaborate. elaborate. Are you sure I didn't say, so I'll elaborate, and then I've re- repeat the question. I, I don't. Maybe I should watch the video again, but I, I was pretty sure I only watched it once. I need to go. Okay. Uh, seriously, I, I'm, and I'm not saying, wow, if I said that, I boy, am I a jerk. I I don't remember saying it that way. I remember thinking, okay, I'll elaborate. Here's you go. And I, I, and I, went, I went more. Here's what's interesting. If you watch the video of the whole press conference, I asked Devontae almost literally, where do you go? You're too good to disappear. But where do you go? Archie Miller, 10 minutes later, having no idea what I've said, 
10 minutes later, is asked about Devontae having a great game and spent more of his answer ripping Devontae than praising him, including saying he has games where he's the best player in the, in the country, and he has games where you wonder, where did he go? Like, damn it, that's the question I asked Devontae. Where'd you go? <laughs> so, and people say, well, that's not the time to ask it. Okay, so in other words, when he scores zero, and they don't bring him out, they don't bring, when he, when Devontae stinks, they don't, any player, I mean, they don't bring out a guy that scored zero or three. But is that what you want me to ask him? Hey, Devontae, your team just lost by 20. You had a terrible game. Where'd you go? Is that is that the time to ask? And to me, he's what, 23 years old now? 23 years old. 23 years old. He's a, he's five years older than Luka Doncic. Look, he's, he's a New York kid. He's a Long Island kid, right? Thick skin. I, I think these guys, I think these guys can handle this sort of thing. And, and be pressed on certain things, especially when it's something that a lot of people are wondering. Um, I didn't think, honestly, Greg, and I texted you privately, I, I just didn't think anything of it. Um, but you're right. I, I think what ends up happening is that on Twitter, somebody says something and then it becomes like a theater of the mind thing. Oh, Greg asked an awful question. That could be anything. That could be you know, something personally insulting, you know, p- people can just make up their own stuff in their head. And then when they have this preconceived notion of what you said, then they're going to go after you with that. Yeah. People, um, they, they, you hear nobody asks hard questions and I'm, I'm not the only guy around here. I'm not the only guy, but I'm, I'm one of the few and people don't like hard questions. They don't like hearing their stars being asked hard questions. Not everybody. Again, I heard from a lot of IU fans thanking me and just saying, Hey, keep your head up. It's all good. And I'm fine, so I'm not mad at a fan base. I'm just don't like the people that are coming after me. Um, let's see. Oh, here's here's where I kind of my line in the sand in all of this is in all of life, really, in the way I do my job. You you can't have things both ways. You can't do that. And here's how I see people, the folks mad at me, want it both ways. On the one hand, they want to treat athletes like Devontae Green. They want to pay a lot of money to go watch them play and you know get autograph stand line for autographs and. You know, follow them on Twitter and, and treat them like the stars that they are, which is fair. Yeah. But then when I treat them like the star that they are, ask them a hard question, they're just a kid, leave them alone. Well, if they're just a kid, you know, mother, why are you paying all this money and building your whole life around around their team? If they're just a kid, then then you're creepy. But, but you're not creepy because they're not just kids. They're big-time Big Ten NCAA athletes. I'm with you. Okay. You I'm, can see I'm how I fired up. Have I ever raised my voice this loud in this pod? No, no, I don't think so. Good thing is it's soundproof, so nobody can hear us right now in the newsroom. I'm guessing they can. <laughs> so Indiana, you know, speaking of Devontae Green going up and down, Indiana has this performance against Iowa where uh, really they never they were never seriously threatened in that game. Um, you know, Iowa has not been a great road team. And they were not threatened because Devontae Green went off in the first half. Yeah, he, he, he went off and the game was over. He was great, and you never really felt like they weren't firmly in control of that game. And then they go to Ann Arbor, and it's – Greg, it's the same song and dance again where it's like they're this they're clinically alive but you're poking them with a stick like come on do something like Indiana's just laying there. What's really strange is that and you can lay this at Archie Miller's feet the head coach you can do that and I'm not saying it's wrong. What's strange is that this happened under Tom Crean also. And granted like a handful of these players played for both but this was even before Devonte was a freshman i'm not blaming Devonte for what happened when he was a freshman i'm just saying this this happens this this is when it happens to two different coaches with largely two different rosters you just wonder are guys cuz i use got all this history and tradition and and they got the fans that love them and they get you know they get all the the adoration you just wonder if are are kids coming to iu thinking it's 
they've arrived. It's now easy. I mean, you think if that's going to happen, that's going to happen to Duke. You go to Duke and you've arrived and it's easy. It's not easy. Duke kicks your rear end anyway. Yeah. Kids keep coming to IU and and they're just not that good anymore. I don't understand it. I just think that, that what they've really lacked over these last couple of years is the guy in the locker room that is going to not mess around and hold everybody accountable. Juwan Morgan's a great player. You know, I don't know if Juwan Morgan is the guy that's going to get in your face. Not at uh, all. Romeo Langford certainly isn't. I no. don't see anybody on this roster that's good. Trace Jackson Davis is a nice kid. I don't. I don't think he's going to do that. And he's a freshman. You know, you kind of had that. I think with Yogi Ferrell or you know guys like that that had kind of been through it and had been four year players and been through some of the ups and downs. Um, I think really you could pick anybody that you want off of the really successful the twelve and thirteen teams with Oladipo and Holes and Watford and all of those guys. Even Verdell Jones, I, I just don't know if you have that or have had that um, with some of your seniors and some of your leaders, so-called leaders, over the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm going. Th- I'm going through my head and thinking, no, not Deron Davis, no, Al Durham, no. I mean, it's all a bunch of no's. Uh, OG Ananobi back in the day, no. Uh, Thomas Bryant, maybe, but even he only used two years. So yeah, yeah, and he he actually he plays with a lot more fire than he. I mean, he's a he's a quiet guy off the court, and he's yeah. he's anyway he, he was never going to be that guy, and he's a, I love him, but that was not who he was. Joey Brunk is kind of he's been around long enough, and he's fiery, and he plays the way he plays, which is so hard. But he's a Butler transfer, you know. It's not, and I have no idea how he feels about this, but I'm guessing what he's thinking. And, and also, he's averaging five points again, whatever he's averaging. I mean, he's not. But he came from Butler, so it's hard to come in from another school and like I'm gonna take ownership. Well, it's not really. He's just kind of he's here, and that's great, but. Anyway, he can't be the guy. So I don't know who the guy is. They're, the guy doesn't exist. So, you're saying, so the guy has to be Archie. What I don't like, and, and what I do like, is I, I mean, I like Archie. I've known him for years and all that stuff. But what I don't like is that th- this was the second time before the Iowa game, and I was going to write this had they lost, but they didn't. Um, before the Iowa game, he said, basically, if guys don't want to be here, then don't be here. We're going to make some – he mentioned, I think there were drastic changes. He said something. And he said the exact same thing, I think it was last year. He mentioned he drew a line in the sand and said drastic changes are coming, something like that. And whatever he was talking about last year, nothing really happened. And of course, the Iowa game, there's no lineup changes, really no minute reduction for anybody. What I don't want to ever hear anybody, whether it's a parent, a teacher, or a coach, don't threaten something and then not do it. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to say drastic changes, if you're going to say they don't want to be here, if you're going to say whatever you're going to say, then do it. If that even means like losing a game to win a season, do that. But don't just don't blow smoke and then don't do anything because that there's a reason why players might tune a guy out because they don't believe anything he's going to say. Yeah, and Archie's got to wear some of this. I don't want to just make it about the players. Even For sure. The players have to be accountable. But I, I think Archie's biggest problem, Greg, is that he comes into these games with a plan A and then you're going to sink or swim with plan A. That's it. There is no plan B or C or D. And, you know, the Michigan game, they're getting easy layups and all of that off of, you know, Indiana is hard hedging all of their screens, and it's just like, look, at some point you just have to say, hey, they're 18 of 22, I think, at one point on layups and dunks. We (laughs) have to adjust something here. We have to stop doing this or change what we're doing. We can't just be like, okay, this is the game plan, and we're sticking to it. Archie said in the post-game press conference, you know, the next time we play Michigan, we're going to have to play differently. I'm thinking to myself, you're not playing Michigan until 2021, my man. Like, you know, you can't wait until next year. you got to start doing that in the second half of the game. So it's not that I don't think that Archie can coach. It's just that I, I think that, um, you know, in-game-wise, you have to be able to he, – he keeps talking about his players adjusting. He needs to adjust himself, I think, a little bit. Yeah, I wonder if there's any 
lack of confidence in his on his end in his players to be able to handle on the fly adjustments. I wonder if he yeah. doesn't like his and I, I'm just making stuff up at this point. I'm wondering does he not like his team's basketball IQ enough that they can handle it? Because it's one or the other. Either he doesn't think his players have enough basketball IQ to make a change at halftime, or he doesn't have enough basketball IQ to make that change at halftime. And I find that one really hard to believe. But like you say, it's hard to watch a team. It's Einstein's insanity. It's hard to watch a team just keep doing the same thing over and over and over, and it's not working, and the response is to do the same thing over and over and over again. It's not – I mean, there was a – it wasn't working. No. I saw a bracket projection yesterday that had both Indiana and Purdue in the first four. Okay. So they'd be playing Tuesday and Wednesday before the NCAA tournament. So just barely in the NCAA tournament, um, you know, gun to your head – Right now, I always hate that term because it seems very graphic. <laughs> yeah. Indiana and Purdue, both in, neither in, or is there one that you feel more firmly about than the other? Um, I think of the two, Purdue's going to be in, and, and here's why, Indiana fans, don't get mad. They play one more time. It's at Purdue. So based on everything we know, which is Purdue is really good at home and I use terrible on the road, Purdue's going to win that game. I mean, you have to assume yep. that, right? Uh, so I wouldn't bet money on it, but you have to assume that right now. If that's what happens, Purdue wins the season series 2-0, and they're both going to be close. And if one's in, one's out, the team that swept the season series is in. It's as simple as that. So I think short of IU going to Purdue and winning, which is, you know, I mean, I just don't know how they're going to do that, then they're out. I, I think they're out. And Indiana's finishing schedule at Minnesota, which has been a house of horrors for them for years since I was a little kid. Uh, Penn State at home, who is playing like the best team in the Big Ten right now. Yeah, they're brutal. At Purdue, at Illinois, the return game against Minnesota, and Wisconsin, who has caused them a lot of problems for 20 years. Yes, it's in Bloomington, and it's not particularly a great Wisconsin team. But that's a, a much tougher finishing slate for Indiana than it is for Purdue, where you've got, uh, you know, at Wisconsin, where they've actually strangely had some success, Michigan at home, Indiana at home, at Iowa, and then uh, and then Rutgers in the final game. <laughs> those are all brutal. Yeah. Both those I mean, are it's, brutal. it's a tough league. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough league. It's a tough league, and, and on the one hand, all these quad one opportunities are why a team like Indiana and Purdue might get in and, and can have hope that they will get in. Because a lot of times you get this time of year, and you're like, we haven't, there's no hay in the barn, and there's nobody left to beat. There have been a couple years where I use come down the stretch needing two or three more big wins and they didn't have that on their schedule mm -hmm. they've got it on the schedule now it's brutal this league um so i like you the Purdue's finishing schedule i heard nothing about that that sounded all that easy even rutger singular i i still don't think they belong in this league but they're they're pretty good yeah they've really turned things around for sure um you and i were both at hinkle Fieldhouse on saturday and georgetown barely was able to put a basketball team numbers wise on the court and still won they, they came with seven scholarship players and left with six because one of them got hurt yeah no i'm sorry i'm thinking of the iowa game they, against they, they, uh, they came Never mind. they had sorry, I, that wasn't me being mean i i literally forgot what i was talking about go ahead georgetown had five they had seven players active five scholarship guys oh i was right yeah they they only played they only played seven guys one guy came off the bench who hadn't played i think in a month and um and only five of their guys were scholarship guys. Three of their guys played all 40 minutes, they and they still won. Their best two scores. They only have two guys averaging yeah. double figures, and they're way up there at 16 a game. Mm -hmm. They're top heavy, and their top was gone. Neither guy played. And, yeah, Butler missed Aaron Thompson. We get that. 
and Derek Smiths and I, you know, I like Derek, but in this conversation, he's this, a bit player, it, right? Yeah. It's not even fair Christian to mention David, his name. Same thing, right? It's not even fair to mention him, especially given that Georgetown's missing more guys than you're missing. So yeah, Georgetown with its two best players tied behind their back on the road, dominated Butler. I mean, the, the game, the final score was a little bit closer than how it kind of really was, and you know, I, I wrote a story. I followed Laval Jordan's lead. He he said we didn't compete. They were tougher than us, smarter. I mean, he he threw his team under the bus, and so I followed his lead and threw him under the bus too. And and I promise you this: my intention was to, and I, I maybe this isn't even my role, but probably not. But my intention, I wanted as I wrote, "Hey Butler kids, read this," because Laval said they've been hearing too much about how good they are, and they're and they're buying into it. So I wrote several times, read this, and then I, you know, I ripped them, or Patrick Ewing ripped them, or Laval ripped them. Somebody, I'm trying to fire them up. I like those kids. I want them to do well, and I don't want to see. Them. So anyway, that was what I was trying to do. Butler fans are mad at me for writing harshly. Unlike with the Devonte Green thing, where I singled him out and asked him a hard question, I didn't single out a single Butler player, not in questioning and not even the story. I just wrote the team is bl- and Butler fans are mad about that. So it, one thing I've learned this week is, um, or just get reminded of. Is that people that are? And I get a lot of folks tell me they like me, and I appreciate that. And maybe the ones that tell me they like me aren't the ones now killing me. But you think a fan base likes you, you know, and then you you write something, you know, the team dares to lose, and you mention it, and they don't like it, or you know, t- anyway, I, I'm feeling sorry for myself a little bit. But it just it just bothers me that I that in this job that you can write what you think is the truth with no malice, and people. I mean, they to quote Jack Nicholson, they can't handle the truth. The weird existence to me, and I've never understood this, even as a guy that formerly, you know, as a kid and all through high school and really through college was a diehard fan, just like anybody that would tweet right well, when Twitter wasn't around. But I would, you know, contact writers or whatever else, email them. And and if, if there was something that I was angry about, I remember I wrote something to Peter King once when I was like 16 years old. Um, I, I still don't understand – the the rose colored glasses like you can never be critical of my favorite team. Uh, I just don't get that. Like, how could you be a Butler fan and be okay or make an excuse for that performance on Saturday, leaving Hinkle Fieldhouse? You and can't. I, and I it, heard it was inexcusable. I heard from a lot of fans actually who said, you know, thank you and good job. So the, I mean, it's it's even it. You hear from both sides, so I don't want to single out an entire fan base as being soft or awful, or whatever. It just but you know, it, there are people that. That do what they do, but look, look at the discourse in our in our country. It's it's politics too. Um, You're right. It's in fact, politics has become sports, or sports has become politics. It's the same thing. Whoever your team is, Trump or not Trump, you know, Republican Democrat, whoever your team is, your team's always right. I mean, nobody's always right, and whoever their team is, their team's always wrong. Nobody's always wrong. Not even me. We're not always wrong. No. And that's why I can't stand. I don't even want to hear about the impeachment hearings that were going on or this or that. I don't want to hear any of it because it's it's all your team's going to say it this way, my team's going to say it's that way, and I don't want to I don't want to be told what to think by people that that I already think. I, anyway, I just the whole thing makes me sick that nobody in this country in sports or politics or anything else wants to hear both sides. Like there's two sides to everything. Yeah. Just watch Glenn Esk or Clark or whoever is going to uh, put in the rundown. Greg talks about IU basketball in the impeachment hearings <laughs> just to get more clicks that are going over. No, but you're, you're exactly right. And um, the guy that I – we were talking about Georgetown scholarship situation, and there was a Butler fan that was tweeting me back and forth 
about how you know Georgetown was shorthanded. Well, Butler was shorthanded. Well, we didn't have Thompson. I'm like, dude, they had five scholarship players. Three guys played 40 minutes. Like, there's a whole different world of being shorthanded than just missing Thompson and having only five active guys in a freaking road game. Let and, me make this he analogy. Just, he couldn't see it. Here's an analogy. The fans are like a prosecutor or a defense attorney. There's facts that make your side win a case, and so those are the only facts that you use. They're the only facts you listen to. They're the only facts you want the jury to know. The jury's over there with both sides, and they got to make a decision. Well, talking to fans in, in my role and, and somewhat yours too is we're not talking the same language. You're a prosecutor presenting your side. I'm not a prosecutor or defense attorney. I'm the judge. So I don't think you're – I mean, I just – but people don't – I mean, a lot of people do get it. Again, it's just the ones that you hear from that don't get it, but that's why I'm pissed off because yeah. I keep hearing from them. To bring this back around with Butler, I still think they're fine – I think really Butler's biggest mistake was fooling us into believing they were some, even when they were fifth in the country, I, I, they were never going to be a top 10 level sort of a team. I mean, the results have been very good. But overall, um, I still think that, you know, Butler is going to be fine. They're going to make the tournament and the whole deal. Yeah. I do think they're going to be fine. Um, they, they still have, they've got defense and they got toughness. They got rebounding. They got all these things and they got nice chemistry and, um, they're in a, in a rough stretch, but the, the Big East is brutal. I, when I say fine, listen, fine doesn't mean they're going to be a top-five team like they were before. Fine means they're going to get in the tournament and they might even win a game. And and had you asked any of us that question before the season began – You would have taken it. You would have taken yep, it. So you it's almost a damn shame they got to – it's not a shame, but it kind of is. They got to five because it got everybody's in expectations to a level where that's just not right. This was If you're a top-five team ever, in theory, you got a shot at the Final Four. I mean, I – I, every time I covered a Butler game that they won, I would find a way to write something along the lines of, nicely, I'd write, I don't know how they're doing this, but they're doing it. Th- that was my story like four different times because unless you're a blind fan, which is I get it, that you, you see what you want to see or you, you just hate them and you refuse to see, somewhere in the middle there's the truth that this team's not very talented, not very big. not I mean, there's not much there, but they just and they're not winning with smoke and mirrors. I just, they're winning with something. But I don't know what it is. So when they're locked in defensively, they're really good. Uh, I just think yes. the, the Big East is like the Big Ten. You can't lose at home, especially not to Providence and Georgetown. You just look; those teams are bubble teams, and and Providence and Georgetown are good, just like any team in the Big Ten is good, regardless of their record. But you can't be losing at Hinkle. Um, you have but, to find a way. But those are teams, and and the Big East is full of teams. In fact, most of them. Where if it's like if if the game were played in an airport, and obviously it's not, but if the if the game was played. As, as teams walk through the airport, one team looks one way. One, Butler doesn't look like everybody else. Mm. And I, I, you know, I realize this is not 1997. They're not the Horizon League team or Summit League or whatever. I mean, they're a Big East team, legitimately so. But look at their roster. Look at the guys they put on the court. Look, they don't look like everybody else. They're not as big. They're not as strong. They're not as – and I'm not sure what – I don't know if that's on the, the weightlifting staff or it's on the re- recruiting over the years. And Laval's only been here two years, so you can't say it's on him entirely – recruiting guys that are not physically strong or just look at them they don't look like everybody else georgetown and 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 providence especially i mean providence it's a bunch of men out there Mm -hmm. and butler they're they're going to be men they're not there yet but you know a bunch of them are seniors and they're still not men jordan tucker may be the only one that walks off the bus and you think okay yeah that's a high level d1 player just from a physical build standpoint and And obviously kamar baldwin's a fantastic player i mean kamar baldwin could play for anybody just 
coming off the bus might not look like he could play for just about anybody. Yeah, and Jordan is a guy that that he's kind of he's Butler's uh, Devonte Green, and that you don't know what you're going to get from him, and it's frustrating to watch him. Uh, although uh, actually, it's more frustrating because Devon. I mean, Devonte Green's six two, and you know. Devontae's a lot like Troy Williams at IU where he's all the skill in the world. I mean, legitimate NBA skill, but so inconsistent, probably won't make it. And at least Troy Williams was 6'7 and long. Devontae's 6'2 and not long. But Jordan Tucker is 6'7 and and you know he's almost cursed with – I mean, he looks like a male model. I think he's been a male model. I'm, I'm He will be – I mean, he, physically <laughs> – He's a I, handsome kid, yeah. I, I don't mean to be creepy, but but he's – I mean, genetically, he's perfect. And 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 I'll hold that if you hold that against him too. But he's he's six seven and he's built like he's built. And and then there's game and he you know was a Duke recruit and a McDonald's All American or something close to that. And and you just watch him play and you're like, why aren't you scoring twenty five a game? Like why aren't you just killing people? Because that's who you should be. And instead he's just kind of he's another guy, but he's the one guy on their team that you're right walking off the bus doesn't look like everybody else. I've been called physically perfect myself, Greg, many a times. I'm eyeballing those pecs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How weird am I being right now? Yeah, no, it's okay. It's okay. A little weird. Yeah, we got to cut the tension here in this little tiny room that we have. To sit <laughs> Can in. we talk about something less weird, like me eating garbage? Uh, let's talk about something that um, I, I was very, very frightened to talk about last night. Thinking about what we were going to talk about today, huge sigh of relief late last night uh, when we find out that Ryan Newman, at the very oh. least, is going to live. You know, not life-threatening injuries, but. Greg, I've been watching motorsports a long time, and, and a lot of IndyCar, but also I've been a NASCAR fan for many years. I don't think I've ever seen a NASCAR crash as scary as that one. I, I mean, that that looked way worse than apparently it, it was. Thank God. That had every that had at least three elements that are terrifying. One is he ran, he got spun, and then straight on into the wall. And yeah, they got those safer walls at Daytona, but that you know that Dale Earnhardt Senior didn't have. But so head on into the wall at whatever speed he was going. Then, when he was upside down, he got T-boned on the driver's side, and there's no, there's just a net hanging there. Yeah. I mean, the 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 fender of the car that T-boned him, you know, could have touched him, and 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 at and I mean at 150 miles an hour could have touched him. And then third, he then then spin or lands on his on his roof and slides for a quarter mile. It felt like, I mean, those all three of those things are terrifying. It like he had fuel dripping on him too. I. I mean, he had it was awful. It it checked every Flames. box of that could be fatal. Oh, that could be fatal. Oh, that could be yeah. fatal. So for him to survive, um, it, it's great that he's alive. But but we're so it's sobering to see that he's in serious condition, and you don't know what that could mean. That could mean serious condition, which means he'll he won't race until September, or serious condition could mean he won't walk again. I mean, you just don't know what that means. So I, on the one hand, yes, he's alive, and that that's the big victory. On the other hand, I. You don't know what serious means. No, and we've seen so many of them, especially on the IndyCar side with the Robert Wickens crash. Right. You know, obviously what happened with Dan Weldon and, and Justin Wilson and, you know, all of that. And it reminds you that even in 2020, there's this gigantic risk that these guys go out there and, and partake in these races. And at any moment, something completely flukish and crazy like getting flipped up on your hood and then getting T-boned could happen at any time so especially with his Hoosier ties and Purdue ties and all of that uh former Brickyard winner our thoughts and prayers with Ryan Newman ended up being a fantastic finish it's just you hate to have it be under those circumstances well, and, of course and there's two things about the finish um one is uh was it Hamill that won Hamlin yeah Hamlin right um people are mad at him because he was celebrating after he won he didn't he didn't know mm -hmm. and Folks don't know that he doesn't know, and he and he said that he, you know, he I mean, put a tweet out that said he he unplugged his radio after he won, 
and there's not much communication anyway. Everybody's so they're, they're doing whatever they're doing. Putin and hollering, yeah, yeah. And so he didn't know, and and, and people are mad at him, and you got to let that one go. But the other the other part is, um, I forget was it about Bauer who ta- who tapped him from behind. Whoever it was that tapped Ryan Newman from behind, Blaney was it? Bla- yeah. Maybe it's Blaney. Maybe so. Um, you know, g- got into him and 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 uh, you know spun him out, mm-hmm. and and that's I'm not. Look, I don't. I don't want to be him right now. I mean, just imagine what he's thinking in his head. What have I done? And yeah. um, you know, well, and, and the post race interviews were pretty chilling. Oh, and, yeah. And you know that people are are coming after him like like it was his fault. And and I guess technically, I mean, technically, I guess it was his fault. But it's what happens in racing. It just that's sure. what happens. So yeah, there's a clearly Ryan Newman's the guy to to feel the worst for. Clearly, yeah, I'll stop it right there. That he's the guy to feel worse for. Uh, much lighter note. What'd you think of that NBA All Star game? Um, I, I read about it and it sounded okay. Did you not watch it? Hell no! Oh, you missed oh, are you out, man! Kidding me? It was awesome. I saw the highlights of the it fourth was quarter. Awesome. I won by watching the fourth quarter highlights. No, you didn't get, hop on Twitter real quick and see everyone reacting and thought, "Oh man, I gotta watch this." Hell, I was asleep. I know normally the NBA All Star game is whatever. That really was a great All Star game. Here's why I love March Madness more than any more than any event in the world. Although a UFC fight too, actually, but March Madness because every game is everything. It's everything. Mm-hmm. NFL playoffs too. You win and you advance. You lose and your season's over. That's my bar, and that's why watching an, an average regular season NBA game is kind of hard for me sometimes because I'm not. And, and Major League Baseball, I covered it for three years. The Marlins in Miami and I, put me to sleep because they they don't even care if they win. They're just there on a daily basis to to get their numbers so at the end of the year they have a certain thing and they hope that their numbers say they won 98 games but on a daily basis they don't care and the all-star game they care less than anybody and i don't care about the fourth quarter mattered a little bit they don't care they were trying hard because that's good for like i hate the fact that we're patting them on the head isn't that great they tried they tried the joke's on us for thinking that's a big deal but when normally they don't try in those games, and it's just this alley oop fest, which is why they've it earned. Was great to see that intensity. If you chose to watch it, it was. You know what it was great to do? It was great to not see that intensity. <laughs> to each their own, and I get that this is a personal preference thing. But to me, and full disclosure, I've always been an NBA guy at heart. I think NBA guys, the best players in the world, at full intensity, is the best entertainment that there is. And that's what I so that that NBA All Star game was really appealing to me because this Elam ending is very very intriguing with this predetermined score that you have to get to and then the game ends on that score. And how about that dude Elam is a Ball State professor? Yeah, isn't that crazy. I just love. I mean, the, the Indiana being a basketball state. By the way, not that we're here to hype my latest story, but did you probably didn't? Did you read my story on Washington High School? I did on Dave DeJernit. Yes. Can you believe and I'm going to guess this I got under the answer to this the first part. Can you believe you never heard of that guy until no. you read that story? No, I never knew that. I'd never heard of that guy until until I thought uh, Addicts was the first segregated team to win. No, Addicts is the first segregated team. Okay. Uh Washington in 1930 is the first integrated team. Integrated. Gotcha. Okay, got gotcha. you. In the country, okay. Okay. in the country, they had the KKK threatening like your best player who's the, who's the african-american yeah, yeah. kid if he plays in the regional he's going to get shot i mean that that's what they were playing through and then that guy comes to indy and and you know he he drank he actually was arrested twice dui charged he actually he ran over a kid um so he it wasn't a bad guy just had a drinking problem anyway i mean his story is kind of a tragedy and 
you know the 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 funeral the the grave the cemetery I went to I had to spell his name three times like they because you go to a cemetery you look for someone's grave it's all computerized you tell them the name they'll type it in the computer and tell you okay plot twelve row six you know they'll write down to the inch they'll tell you where the tombstone is they couldn't spell his name with my help they I mean they had this pioneer in Indiana basketball history and they don't even know who he is and it's not their fault no one knows it's just surprising that in this state with this basketball culture and this appreciation of the past that somebody like that would fall through the cracks. And it fell, fell through the cracks in Washington. When I'm in Washington, and it's in the story, There's a, there, I'm walking through the hallways, I'm looking at the pictures of the team and Dave DeJernit, and a guy shows up and kind of looked in the picture with me. Turns out he's like the head of the booster club, um, graduated from that school in 91 or so, is so involved that when they took the court apart and, and refurnished the court, he was the one that cut the court into little pieces and was selling them. I mean, the Booster Club, mm-hmm. he'd never heard it. He didn't know anything about the, the 1930 team. He goes, I walk by that picture every day. I didn't know. So, yeah, I, there's no one to blame. It's just all – it just slipped through the cracks. You know what else really surprised me about your story? I never heard this before, um, that in that era of basketball, after every made basket, there was a jump ball. How so stupid is that? So if you had a kid like DeJernet who was 6'4", whatever, right, 6'4", 6'5", which in that day and age you'd played center, right? Yo, gigantic. Um You'd win the jump ball, and it's basically like winner's keeps. Like when you were playing as kids, one on one, yeah, you, you, winner's ball. It was keep away, and I'm sure just like they they've done away with some goaltending rules over the years, and you know certain things happen, so basketball realizes oh there's a problem here, and they change the rule. Somebody, and it wasn't Dejernit, I mean I don't think, but somebody dominated with the jump ball until the basketball people, whoever they are, said okay, we got you know enough yeah. enough of this because it, right it was a I have no idea how good his teammates were. And I'm not sure it matters because they had the ball every time. It's like it's like a volleyball. What is that sport where you can't score unless you're serving? Is that volleyball? Volleyball. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> it's like I'm so sorry I didn't know that. But it's like volleyball. You can't score unless you're unless you got the ball. You can't score unless you're serving. By the way, I'm unemployed now, Greg. So you never have to ask me whether I read your columns again because the second that you post them, I'm reading those. I got, uh, nothing, I got nothing else to do. But but well, the bigger question is, I know you'd read them. You would. But if you subscribe, of course. And yeah. I love it when I write a story like that. And I put a tweet out, and I try to make the tweet as, you know, I want people to realize, hey, there's something cool here. Sure. And so people respond to the tweet, sounds interesting, can't read it, don't subscribe. Well, what do you mean to say to you? Oh, here, little guy, let me let me buy the paper for you. Like, I'm sorry, did, did, you, not, did you not want me to be able to eat dinner at night? Did you want me to pay my rent? I'm sorry. I'm sorry we're charging for our work. I'm so sorry. Sometimes I feel like responding, oh, you're in the HVAC business? Why don't you come service my air conditioner, and I won't pay you any labor money? Exactly right. Yeah. Come over for zero dollars. Yeah, actually, come over and, and come in my house and yeah. fix it. And then when you walk away, say and they charge me. Oh, I'm not going to pay for that. Yeah, because you know, I had an uncle one time who who fixed my AC for free, and therefore I'm in the habit of doing it for free. Exactly. So I'm not paying you for your work. You know how people are when it comes yeah, to that you stuff. Uh, so you can check out Greg's column, 1930 uh, Washington. It's a fantastic story. Also, uh, you got breaking news while we were taping this. <laughs> <laughs> I did. And uh, it's going to be old news in, in a while, but it's it's fun. The, the, the Indy Star is cleaning up. With the, right now, with the, there's an annual contest called the, called the APSE, Associated Press Sports Editors. And they're judging right now in various categories. And the Indy Star is cleaning up. We've won the best section in top 10 right now. Mm-hmm. Top 10 best section. Uh, Dana Bimbo has won two top tens for feature writing and breaking news. Kyle Nedenrip has a top ten for uh, breaking news, I think it is. Jim Aiello for features. Um, I got one for columns. So we're cleaning up, and uh, there's more voting to come out. So as we're talking about, do you want to subscribe or whatever? Well, we're our paper is being judged right now 
as a whole and individually to be as good as there is in the country. So we're not asking you to pay for crap. We're you know we're pretty good. Yeah, Grand Slam winner, right? When it comes to that, a just about every times. year, yeah. just about every year, yeah, which isn't surprising at all. You could also check out Greg's column on Laval Jordan and the dogs as well. All the latest and greatest IndyStar app, IndyStar.com, subscribe. I think they're still running the deal. What is it, three bucks for three months? Maybe so, but I got a story coming out tomorrow, by the way, you're going to want to read on, on a barber from Cloverdale. How can a sports writer... Oh, that's tw- right. We teased that last week. 2,500 words I wrote on a barber from Cloverdale. How can I do that? I don't know, but I did it. <laughs> and then I got a story Friday on a retired wrestling coach from Beach Grove. Wow. Who's got an, a great story, too. So I'm just... I, there's a Churning lot of stuff. them out. Turning them out, baby. (laughs) Looking forward to it, man. We'll talk next week. All right, Derek.